0: Well, good morning, Northridge. Good morning. Have you come to worship the Lord this morning? Come on, let's stand to our feet. God is doing amazing things here at Northridge. We have the wonderful, wonderful privilege of having a world renowned worship leader here with us this morning. He's from San Diego, California and we sing his hits and he's known all over the world he's just a real servant and has the heart of god so please do me a favor and give him a warm northridge welcome For Phil welcome come on make some noise for him
1: thanks evan it's kind of you to say those things. Well, I'm Phil. Um, I'm from San Diego, California, and I'm so happy to be here with you guys to minister, to minister and to, to the Lord and sing to Him and celebrate what He's doing in our lives and what He's doing in this community. Um, I love the promises that we have in the scriptures where it says where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, he is in the midst of those people. And another promise where it says that God actually dwells in the praises of his people. And we know that God is everywhere, but he promised something special happens when we get together and sing out the same melodies and get on the same lyrics. and same truths about how great God is and so I just want to journey into his heart today and see what he has for us and open our hearts for his presence to speak to us and so let's pray together Lord we thank you so much for this time we can gather we thank you so much for this place that you've given for us to gather and as your bride as your children Lord and we want to lift up your name in this place to celebrate your love Lord to draw closer to you Jesus we want to be changed by your presence and all God's people said Amen. Well, this might be a new song. It's really easy, though. It goes like this. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger.
2: Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. That's the whole chorus. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens me. Let's try it together. Your love is greater. across, you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. Your name, the mountains shake and crumble Your name, the oceans roar and tumble cry like our God, we will sing, we will sing.
1: this place, the only name by which we are saved, Yahweh, Yahweh, our God forever, you came and you showed yourself to us as Jesus, God wrapped in human flesh, you came and you died and you rose again, Lord, and today we can stand on the victory that you won over sin and death, Lord, we are free, Lord, free to love and to live, free to worship you, free of sin and shame, Lord, you have set hope before us. You have set life before us. You are our deliverer and king and shepherd and shield. Lord, you are the author of salvation. Lord of lords, the king of kings, you are our savior. We know you by many names, Lord, for you do many great things. And today, God, we just say thank you. Lord, today we celebrate you, Lord. Today we look to you and cast our cares upon you. Today we say thank you and we love you and we worship you, God. We lift you up in this place. Sing, Lord of all the earth. Let's
2: shout it out. We shout your name. Sing it, Lord we shout your name, shout your name, filling up the sky. Yeah uh-huh. More, all that You've done for me. Who brings our chaos? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of Glory, the King of Glory, who rules the name Truth and justice shines like the sun. In all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all key. Here we go. Yeah, this is amazing grace. Done for me, amen. Yeah. Worthy, seeing worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave, and worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave, and worthy is the. Lamb King of the rain and worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy! Oh, this is amazing rain. This is
1: Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace. We celebrate you. We worship you. Now open our hearts to see you. And all God's people said together, Amen.
0: Come on, make some more noise for Phil. Welcome. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the king that conquered the grave. Amen. Come on, make some more noise for Jesus. Come on, celebrate the king. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Phil will be back at the end of service to lead us further in worship. Now, at this time, we're just going to continue in worship by receiving an offering. And if this is your first time here at Northridge, we consider you a guest. And this service is our gift to you. But for the rest of us, we give because we believe in all God is doing here at Northridge. So let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We honor you and we bless you. We thank you for another opportunity to assemble, to worship you. We thank you for the gifts and the resources and the talents that you've given us. And so now we take this time to give them back to you as worship and service unto you, God. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. And we love you back. Everyone say in Jesus' name, amen. Now as the basket passes down your row, you can be seated. Thank you for worshiping with us.
3: Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. If you're a guest, welcome to Northridge. If you're at one of our regional campuses, thanks so much for being a part of this one church that meets in four different locations and, quite frankly, all around the world for those of you who might be watching on demand. But, you know, I just have one thing to say before I get into the talk. You know, Phil was okay, right? <laughs> I mean, he was, he was all right. So isn't it awesome to have talent like that for God? I mean, it's phenomenal. I'm curious, how many of you look back on earlier parts of your life and you can't believe you did stuff like that? Can Any of you like that? Yeah, it's like you look back and you go, I'm... i, I I'm not the same person that did that stuff. I mean, that couldn't have been me. I mean, I look back all the time that way, and I look back on my teenage years in utter amazement. Uh, One example, and and just know this, I'm not proud of this at all. I was 15 years old, My, my dad had business in Florida and was taking his family with him two or three times a year, and I was this 15-year-old kid missing school and getting to hang out in Florida. I mean, it was a privilege, but I was a punk. And on one trip, I I, I took a bag of pot with me. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I I was 15, and I was a punk. Have I said that yet? All right. So when we got to Florida, I, I um, went outside, and I hit the bag in a shed where we were staying. My dad, no dummy, knew something was up and he he found my bag during the night. The next day they asked if I wanted to go with them somewhere and I said, no, I'd just rather hang around here. Thank you very much. And they pretended to take off. When I went out to get it, it wasn't there. And I'm serious, I was in Florida, I went, did the roaches take it away? I- Are the roaches high on some of my roaches, if you know what I'm saying? It's like, (laughs) I couldn't figure it out, and I was in a cold sweat. And and then my dad, with perfect timing, came around the corner, and he said, you're not going to find it. As it turned out, he had found it in the middle of the night, and he wept all night. He was a father who loved his son and saw his son throwing his life down the toilet. And, and how did I respond? Like a punk. I, I could have cared less how he felt. I was pissed he stole my pot. That was the whole deal. Now, from my perspective today, I can't believe that hard-hearted punk was me. I mean, I just can't even imagine. So what's changed? The answer is simple my perspective as a teenager i only saw and cared about the moment i invested everything in in the moment and i was all about instant gratification and i have to say it and wherever you're at in your life you have to hear this living for the moment didn't serve me well even when the moment was unbelievably great it was just a moment And then gone, and even when the moment was unbelievably great, the price I paid later was often way too high, downright painful. So over the years, I've learned from the pain to evaluate my present choices by by looking to the impact they'll have in my future. And though I'm not perfect at this by any means, and I still make bad choices, I've learned the valuable principle of delayed gratification. In fact, everything I value in my life today, and I mean everything I value, is the result of weighing my present choices against their future impact, rather than weighing them against their present pleasure. I have the marriage I have today, after 37 years, because of delayed gratification, of because of weighing choices that might give some immediate pleasure against the future pleasure I've wanted in my marriage. The same is true with my kids and my career and my health and every area of my life. Here's the deal. Our spiritual lives depend on the very same change of perspective. As we dig into this book of James in our series called Jim, Jim makes this reality unbelievably clear. He tells us that we live poorly... ...when we base everything in our lives on today. When we base everything in our lives on today, we live poorly. When we base our values on today, we'll choose the wrong values. We'll live poorly. When we, when we choose our wants based upon today, we'll make the wrong choices. We'll live poorly. When we, when we make our dreams based on today, we're going to dream the wrong dreams. And when we try to find our identity... On what we experience today, we're going to find our identity in all the wrong places, and it causes us to live poorly. Look at how he says it in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast and you brag as if your now is unbelievable you're in control of it, but all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. What he's saying is there's no way you are going to do the good you ought to do if All you're doing is living for today. It's not going to happen. It's it's only when you recognize it's the Lord's will that lasts, that means something forever, that you're going to make the right choices. We live poorly when we base everything in our lives on today. Which leads us to the truth that he's communicating. Today is temporary. God is forever. Today is temporary and Everything we do, no matter how well we do it today, for today alone, is missed. But God, everything we do for God and in God today is forever. I love how the psalmist says it in 73, 26. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but it's okay. God's the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He The reality is our flesh and our hearts are going to fail doesn't matter what you accomplish with your flesh it's going to fail doesn't matter what you accomplish with your heart it's going to fail but but God is forever and then Paul in Romans talks about these people who have lived so poorly because they've chosen to live for today instead of God and and how it leads to such bad things look at what he says in verses 25 and 29 of Romans 1 he says they exchanged The truth of God that he's forever for a lie that now can be worth our forever and he says and because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie they've worshiped and served created things temporary things today rather than the Creator who is forever praised and as a result they have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil greed and depravity of course because when all you have is Now, you're going to make whatever choice is necessary to make your now worth it, pleasurable. And you make bad choices like Brad Powell, the punky teenager, living for the moment instead of seeing the bigger picture of his life. Best illustration I've ever seen about the difference between today and God, temporary and forever, is involves a rope, because you see this rope this white rope represents God and his forever and I mean he's always existed everything that exists exists because he existed before it and he created it I mean he has been forever long before the Roman Empire and long before America and long before you and long before me Forever, And then all of a sudden, there comes this moment in this infinite forever of God called our lives. We're born. I know we feel when we're born, like that's when time began. I know we feel like when we're born, that's when the world began. That's when things started mattering. But... Oh no, it's existed forever in God and then he created us along the way and this is our life. This isn't a year in our life, this is our life. Let's say we get 80 years or 90, it's all found in this orange. And let me tell you, if this orange is all we have, then we have to take advantage of every second. I can't care about what you experience in your orange. I have to care about what I experience in my orange. This is the whole thing for me. And so my values are going to be about the now. How can I find pleasure? How can I find meaning? How can I find purpose? How can I find significance in my now? It's all I've got. And it destroys us. But that's our life. But God is forever And this is so important. It makes sense to live our entire lives for this moment if the orange is all we have. But in that God is forever, though our physical lives on this planet may be short, our lives can count forever. And we have all of the white available to us after our orange ends. And when we see life that way, it can change everything. Which is the wise investment? Is the wise investment to put everything we have in the life that we have in the orange or is the wise investment to invest in God when we're in the orange so that we can experience his unfolding promises forever? Well, I think the answer is obvious. And yet more often than not, I mean, come on, more often than not, we're investing in this life, right? I mean, I look at my weeks unfold, and I'm investing in the orange and not even thinking about the forever white of God. Aren't you? Like me as a teenager, we invest in what's good for ourselves today, not in what's good forever. And like my father wept over me because I was so blind to what was valuable. So God the Father weeps over us because we're so blind to what is valuable truly valuable, because we live so much for today, and and God is forever. But when someone gets it, they live well. We need to change perspective. There was a guy named Jim Elliot, and Jim Elliot died as a young man in his 20s at the end of a spear of a primitive tribe member that he had gone to Ecuador, Ecuador to tell about Jesus. He felt called to show the love and to tell the truth of Jesus to this primitive tribe. And in response, they killed him and all he was associated with there. But later, his journals became popular, really impacted me. And the reason they impacted me is because his perspective at 19 was better than mine at 40. Because he wrote these words, He is no fool. Who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He, he understood something that some of us are yet to understand. You can't keep the orange. But if you give it to God, you gain that which you cannot lose. Everything in God's eternal reality. And so the application to us is simple. Since we live poor lives when, when we live everything based on today, if we're going to live our lives well, then we have to learn to trust God. It's the only thing we can do because he's forever. Today is only temporary. And if we're going to live well and trust God, then we have to trust him no matter what is true in our lives today. Because it doesn't matter If what is true in our lives today is painful and hurts and discouraging and disappointing and not measuring up to the life that we long for, it really doesn't matter because when we trust God, we still have all of the white. The only time this really matters is when this is all we have. God is forever. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don 't lean on your own understanding because your own understanding is locked in the orange, but instead, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he 'll make your path straight and you go wait a minute i 've been trying to follow god i 've been trying to trust God, and my paths aren 't straight this world doesn 't have straight paths this world 's like all up a mountain cliff it 's hard to climb i can 't do it or this this life is all down in a rocky valley or or this life is filled with rocks and challenges and disappointments and betrayal. What do you mean? I've been trusting God and I've been praying. I've been trying to follow him. But it's, it's just all crooked and wrong. Yes, if all you're looking at is the orange. But when you trust God in the orange, how straight do you think the path is forever? Well, he's told us it's the only path where we'll experience everything he created for us. And When we acknowledge him in all our ways, that's our path. And what happens is when we start truly seeing life as bigger than the orange and start seeing the God of the eternal and start trusting him no matter what happens in our lives and acknowledging him in all of our ways, do you know what happens? It changes the way we see everything. I feel like an entirely different person than that teenage punk who disappointed my dad so desperately and the truth is I am a different person and it's because my perspective changed. And the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. We become transformed and different when we go from living for today or even in our spiritual lives judging God based upon how he treats us today and how he answers our prayers today and the promises he delivers to us today, instead of truly seeing him as forever, when we start trusting him as the God who's eternal, it changes the way we see everything. It changes the way we see God himself. Because you see, what happens is we go from seeing God as an important pursuit of our lives to seeing him as the only worthwhile pursuit of our lives. We we go from Including him in our lives to making him primary, Jesus said it seek God and his kingdom first, and everything else will come into its proper place. Of course, it will, because he's the only one that's eternal, he's the only one that can make sense out of the short life in the orange. And not only that, we see God differently because we see him as treating us. Always right and always good, even in a world where we experience so much wrong and bad. And it's because we stop judging him based upon our moment in the orange and we start seeing him as investing in our future. My dad had things he expected of me, but it wasn't to make my day and life worse, it was to make my life better. And God has the same thing. You see, we should see God as always doing what's in our best interests, even if in for the moment it doesn't feel that good. He's a good parent, and he's faithful. Jeremiah experienced a disappointing and difficult life. He had dedicated his entire life to sharing God with people, and he always was betrayed and hurt and, and destroyed. And yet, look at how he responds in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It goes with the song that Phil sang earlier. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah could only know God was faithful because he didn't judge him by what he experienced in the orange. He judged them by what he knew to be true of God in the forever. And God had paved a way for him to experience eternal life. And so whatever he would experience in the momentary parts of today didn't discourage him because he knew God was faithful. Do you? I make so many bad choices. I often leave God out of my choices when I'm thinking about my moment instead of my eternity. It changes our view of God. When we start seeing God as forever and our lives as just momentary here on this planet and start trusting him no matter what, it it changes the way we see others. It really does. Let's be honest, we don't treat each other well sometimes in this world. Now some of you are better than others of us, but the truth is when push comes to shove and it's you or someone else, you choose you. That's the way life is in the orange. We only have so much time and we can't let someone rob us. But when you understand that this isn't all the time, that there's eternity that God wants to share with you, then you can treat others differently. How how could Jesus come and live his whole life for others and then... Die for the sins that he never committed. Die for our sins and be buried and raised again. How could he allow himself to be nailed to a cross in time when that was the only life he had? Because he knew it wasn't the only life he had. He had eternity. We treat others differently. Look at how Paul says it in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what Jesus did. He, he loved God and he loved others. When we really see our lives properly, outside of the orange and in God forever, and trust Him no matter what, it changes the way we see ourselves. This explains so much to me about Paul and so much to me about myself. Look at Philippians 3. Verses 4, 7, and 9, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in their flesh, I have more. Now, this is where Paul has this moment of, of human bragging. He's basically saying, look, if you guys think you're somebody, I'm somebody squared. That's kind of what he's saying. He says, if you're awesome, I'm awesome times 10. He goes, I've done so much. More than you, and I am so much more than you. If we're going to judge each other based upon the orange, but he goes, Don't do it. Look what he says. But I have found that whatever was to my profit in the orange, it's just a loss for the sake of all the white, what I found in Christ. He says, what is more, I consider everything that I used to value in the now a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, which is forever. In fact, I've lost all things for him, and I I used to treasure them. I used to invest my whole life in them, but now I consider them garbage, rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. When our perspective changes from trusting today and and what the temporary pleasures of today offers to trusting God, and what His eternal promises offer, it—it it literally changes our view of what's worth living for. That's why Paul could say in Philippians one twenty-one, "For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain." Now, I'm gonna tell you, first time I heard that, I said, "That's stupid." No, I'm kidding. I, that's stupid. To die is loss. I've been to funerals, and then I realized, oh, my. The orange represents the time when there's suffering and disappointment when we're living outside of the presence of God. And even when we're walking with God, we're living in a world of people who walk outside of the presence of God. This is where pain comes from and disappointment and loss and emptiness. So if we live for Christ, we get the life he authored for us inside, even though there's still pain swirling around us on the outside. But then we die. And what does that represent? Are you kidding me? Forever. Eternal life, that's game. That makes sense. It changes our view of ourselves. And then when we see God is forever and trust him, it changes the way we see our, our circumstances. And we all respond in difficult times to difficult circumstances in tough ways, don't we? It's like very tough None of us want to face difficult times. None of us want to face changes. In fact, during difficult times, have you ever heard someone say, I'm at the end of my rope. (laughs) Your rope's too short. You're living in the orange. When you trust God who is forever you never get to the end of his rope because he's forever and it makes sense then out of Romans 8:28. and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose and when I lived in the orange and that's all I saw that verse made no sense because it doesn't matter what he says. What I'm experiencing right now is not good. But then, when I started seeing that it was eternity that he was offering, I could see how he could turn bad in the orange into good in the white. It changes my perspective. Spiritually, I no longer have to be that punky teenager who lives for the moment and tries to capture all that's available in the moment. But instead, I can see that God provides pleasure beyond the moment. And this works in theory, but the question is, does it work in reality? Does it work in the story of lives here in the 21st century? And we thought, to help you to see that it does we would look into the life of our special guest worship leader this weekend and so i'm going to invite back and would you help me to welcome phil wickham thank you phil great to see you it's awesome having you here thank you for having me and uh i I tell you it's it's kind of a funny thing um we met for the very first time yesterday yeah and uh i saw you and i was kind of surprised um because I'm 58 years old, I've been, I feel like I've been listening to your worship music since I was a kid, right? And, uh, and either you have a great plastic surgeon out there That's in California, yep. Yep. or I'm wrong. How long have you been writing music? When did you start?
1: Well, I'm 32 now, and uh, I started singing when I was, well, I grew up singing. My mom's a singer, my dad's a guitar player, and together they've been leading worship for as long as I've been alive. And uh, so when I was like 10 or 11 years old, my dad gave me my first guitar and just started teaching me chords to play worship songs. Um, And then just a few years later, when I was junior high, I became the junior high worship leader. And very early on, just found so much blessing and fulfillment and satisfaction. And playing music and seeing my friends around me worship, I was like, this is amazing. I wanna do this for as long as God will allow me. So little by little, God gave me opportunities to sing more. And I started writing songs in high school that were um, being used by churches in the area which blew my mind. I just couldn't even believe it to the point where pastors were calling me and say, hey, come play at our, my church. And I'm like, I don't have a license yet. I don't know how to get there, you know? And so he's like, okay, I'll come pick you up. So at like six o'clock in the morning, I get in this like ra- a random pastor's car and he takes me to his church and, um, and he would pay me with like a pizza, you know, so I'd be like, yeah. And so, By so the that's, way, that's
3: all we're paying him here is just <laughs> a little bit of pizza. By the way, there's no way you eat pizza. I'm sorry, right? I mean, seriously. <clears throat> Definitely used to. <laughs> <laughs> So so then, I mean, God started affirming this gift in you and people started responding to it and, and when was it that you really sensed, wow, this is what I'm put on earth to do, this is what he's called me to do?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was a very gradual sense of just seeing God work over the years and I remember a specific point, you know, I think, you know, that after high school, kind of going into college point where I get a lot of young people saying, well, how did you know, how did you know and um, I think I just looked at the blessing of God and wanted to follow it but also there was a moment when I was in the UK, and uh, it started pouring down on this festival that I was playing at. And so everybody moved into this tent, and there was like 3,000 people packed into a tent for like 500 people. And they were putting a PA in there. They said, Phil, get up, get up on stage. Just start singing songs. I was like, okay. And I was 18 at the time. I start singing, and no one's paying attention. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, the power, like a big uh, explosion, like a pop happens in the electricity. All the power goes out, and it's just dark, and everybody just gets quiet and looks at me. And, uh, and as the rain's falling, I stand up and I just sing as loud as I can. I
2: love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. You
1: guys know that song? To worship you. And everybody started singing, and it was like the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And then at the last note, let me a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Right on ear. It literally was like an ex- like, like this big explosion, and all the lights came on. And everyone's like, yeah, you know, cheering. <laughs> And then, um, and so then we worship for like an hour and a half, this group of people packed together trying to stay out of the rain. And that whole time I felt like God was speaking to my heart, like, this is who you are, you know, don't question anymore, just follow the blessing.
3: And so in that moment um, of that day, you're seeing, wow, my plans unfolded, I get what God's doing in my life, I get what he's going to do, I, I'm here to use my voice and my gift of, of authoring, you know, music to him. And then because moments change, you experienced a moment that kind of made that path questionable, right?
1: Yeah, Um, so that was when I was 18, so about 12 years later, which was two years ago when I was 30, um, I, I just felt my voice just deteriorating, getting more and more tired. I was out on a tour, and I was up on stage one night, and just I was like trying to get notes out and words out, and I couldn't, and so I got off stage feeling so disheartened and wondering what in the world is going on, and we had to cancel the rest of the tour, and I went home, and went to a doctor who looked down uh, at my vocal cords. And I had this thing called a polyp on my vocal cords. And it was actually hemorrhaging, which means there was it was bleeding in my throat. And they just said, hey, you, uh, I think you, you've just been hitting your voice too hard for too long. And we got to do surgery. we got to cut that thing out. And hopefully it heals well. Um, I had to go through. And he said, you're going to have to go through two months of total silence. No talking, no singing. And after that, um, we were, pretty, we're fairly confident. It's new technology, but we're fairly confident we'll get you back to at least 90%, um, it's not always 100%, but he also said there is, a, there is a risk, and it does happen one in every 20, 30, 40 cases where uh, singers will lose a lot of control because scarring happens and it doesn't heal correctly, and we just want you to be aware of that, but you'll definitely will be able to talk clearly, and I'm just going, I was just out on the road two weeks ago singing fine, and now I'm in this hospital saying, you know, you might not be able to sing professionally anymore, and uh, not to over dramatize it, you know, I, I just I felt like there, I was in good hands, but at the same time I felt like so um, so frustrated and lost. I had to cancel six months of shows because after the two months of silence, all this vocal therapy, and I'm just like, Lord, what are you doing? Am I going to have to like learn how to make cappuccinos and work <laughs> at Starbucks or something? You know. And uh, I remember sitting down on my floor um, in the silence of that time and just in my heart saying, God, I would love to see you in this. I know in my mind you're there. I know I'm supposed to trust you, but in my heart I'm, I'm scared. And, uh, and he, he, did, he did just speak to me um, the simple truth of something I've been like singing since I was three years old in Sunday school. Um, I just remember feeling just like that moment years before, God really speak to me. Um, not just kind of nudge me in a way, but really speak words to my heart saying, Something so simple, just I'm your father and Phil, you're my child, so just trust me. And the implication of what that means, that God, I, I started thinking about that, and that, that God doesn't, he loves us enough to call us a part of his family, that he doesn't just forgive our sins and call us the citizens of his kingdom, and doesn't just let us be you know, servants on the outskirts of his palace, so to speak, but he literally welcomes us into his family to the point where it says in the Bible, this crazy thing that we are co-heirs with Christ, like. Everything that's coming, all the the white part um, that 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 God that God has ordained for Jesus to rule, and like we're we're a part of it all, and 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 as you think of God, the Creator, loves us so much that He would die for us, and He calls us His. He call He wants to be our Father, not just our Lord, not just our King, not just the rule maker, but He wants to be our Father, and so it makes this whole the the white part so exciting. So the point where even in the orange, even if I mean, thankfully, there was some healing happening to my voice. But even if not, in in the knowledge of, like, really thinking of who God is and, wow, he's my father and I'm his child, it makes even even the lowest valley in the orange part, it, it, it makes it kind of level out, you know, in the light of the cross and, and in the light of who God is. So.
3: And, and, you know, what we can do is we can get wrapped up, right, in, in trusting what he's given us, our voice for our identity, our our music ability for our identity. And in that moment, you had to decide, am I going to lose myself because I feel like I could lose my identity? Or is my identity really found in my father? And do I believe he wants what's best for me? And you obviously decided to trust him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a daily thing, right? I wish when we become Christians that it was like an automatic thing me that too. we trust God... <laughs> You know, um, but it was a day I found like, whoa, it's a choice, but it's a choice that's definitely worth making, because I found that when I, I chose to believe the promises of God, that, that my identity, that our identity is so much more than what people say we are, what we're not. Our identity is so much more for me than people coming out to a show or buying a ticket or coming out to church or a degree on your wall. I mean, all that stuff is great and it's good to work for that. Um, but our capital I identity in Jesus is his ch- being called his child. Absolutely. And that means we're like shameless and born again and free and victorious and all the stuff that we can stand And forever.
3: On. Yeah, and forever. <laughs> awesome. Phil, thank you very much. Would you give him a big hand? Thank you, Phil. Very appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. And and by the way, I've had so many special private moments in my car and other places letting Phil lead me to the Father in worship. And if you've not been really exposed, there's some stuff in the lobby. You can go and get it and make that a part of your journey. But here's what we need to realize. No matter how good or bad our circumstances in the orange, when we choose Jesus, the best is yet to come. It's true, it's good when things work out, the voice is okay, we get to keep doing the same things, this prayer guy. it is true, I like that better, so do you, but, but it's also true that even if nothing that we dream for works out, our Father has our best interest in mind, and it doesn't end in the orange, it's His goodness forever. He works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who trust Him, It would be foolish to do anything else. And finally, when we start seeing today is temporary and and God is forever, we start trusting him instead of this moment, it changes the way we see our choices. I made horrible choices as a teenager because I only saw what that choice would do for me in the moment. I saw nothing else. But then as an adult, I started realizing, whoa, there's more than this moment. I better be careful and... The same is true spiritually. This is why Joshua in chapter 24, verse 15, one of the great men of God of the Old Testament, looked at a huge throng of people who were making bad choices. They were living in the orange. And, and he says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, hey, then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. But as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to waste our lives on today when we can invest our lives in eternity. And here's the question we have to ponder. Are we living for today or are we living for God? Are are we living for what's in the orange or are we living for all that's yet to come? Are we wasting our investment or are we making the best investment? Where are you at? Because in the end, how you answer this question will determine forever whether you look back on your life in the orange filled with regret or you forever look back on your life experiencing God's reward to the full. And until we make the right choice, like my father wept over me, so our God weeps over us because he wants nothing more for us than for us to see life as he sees it. My dad saw in me potential that I was throwing away and he wept and he did all he could to help turn me. God the Father sees you and all the potential he's put in you and all that there's for you to experience both now and forever and he weeps when you don't see it. But he's made it possible for you to choose it. This faith thing that we talk about isn't just an addition to life. It is life itself. And here's what I know. When you're at the end of the rope of your life, when you're here you'll wish you had lived all of your life for the rest of the road and in this moment now you can t- choose to live for now and waste it or you can choose him and experience the best which is yet to come and so before Phil comes back out and leads us in worship I'm going to lead us in a prayer and so going to ask you if you'd bow with me just in this moment for prayer, and if you're at our regional campuses, those of you at Northridge Brighton, if you just bow and engage, and wherever you are around the world engaging this, just, I, I just encourage you to take stock of your life. If you're already a believer, are you living in light of God's eternity, or are you living in light of your moment now? Trust Him, no matter what. And if you've never experienced him, I want to encourage you to pray with me now. Take my words and make them yours. step into God and his eternal life. Just say, Jesus, I, I want to make Joshua's choice. I, I, want, I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to live for you. And so I give you my sin. I acknowledge my failure. I put my faith in your death on the cross and your burial and then in the new life of your resurrection and I claim it. I want to live for your eternity, for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed with me just now, I want to encourage you, let us know because we want to give you some suggestions for next steps that you can take. And If you're in one of our campus settings, all you have to do is take out of the program, the connection card, we call it, fill it out, and then at the bottom, just tell us, did you take a first step into a relationship with Jesus or did you just renew that? And there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there, would you? And we'll send you some information that'll help you. And if you're watching online, hit the What Next button and we'll do the same for you. God has given us in Jesus life and life to the full, but we'll only experience life and life in the full when we live in the orange for everything to come and when we do we will say God is good and I pray that we'll all worship him as the good God he is right now Oh glory
2: on the power
1: All the glory and the honor and the power is yours and truly, forever in you forever we will sing it to you god in this moment and forevermore once we look you in the eyes we see your glory in the flesh lord we will worship you forever god and we ask that you help us to trust you lord that you give us a fresh revelation of your love and your grace and who you are, Lord, that we might hold on to it in the low time, Lord, that we might see you and hear you and follow you, God. We ask for more of you, Jesus, Lord, in our lives and our conversations, our relationships and our families, our homes, our workplaces, Lord, more of you, God. We ask for it. Help us, Lord, to follow you. Lead us in your way everlasting. We all say together, Amen. Well, God bless you guys. There's going to be some people up here if you'd like some prayer. Um, Have a great weekend in Jesus.